Hello and welcome to the Success Secret Podcast with Rosso Santalev. I am excited to introduce you to a series of conversations with some of the most successful and inspiring individuals from various industries. My aim is to dive into the stories behind their success and explore the knowledge, strategies, habits, mindsets, and wisdom that have propelled their success. Each episode of the Success Secret Podcast will feature a different guest who will share their unique journey, the challenges they faced, and the lessons they have learned along the way. I will also be covering topics from entrepreneurship and innovation to leadership and personal development. Whether you are an inspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business professional, or just someone looking to improve your life, the Success Secret Podcast is for you. My goal is to bring you valuable insights and inspiration that will help you achieve your own success in business and life. So get ready to learn and be inspired. The Success Secret Podcast starts now. Hello and welcome, Success Secret Nation, to this new episode of the Success Secret Podcast. I have with me here in this episode Drew Donaldson. He's the founder of GrowHouse.org, a growth strategy firm dedicated to helping business leaders and the team they serve to adapt to ever-changing business and marketing landscape so they can effectively grow their businesses while delivering unbelievable experience to their customers. Uh, Drew, welcome to the Success Secret Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the uh, time today. First of all, tell us your story a little bit quickly because we want to know why did you started this business? Uh, where did the idea came from? Did it come from you, someone you know? Did you have a job? Did you quit? These kind of things. So uh, my my passion for small and, and medium-sized businesses really uh, followed me through my whole life. My uh, Both my parents were entrepreneurs. Uh, my family owned a, a produce farm. And so I was just surrounded by entrepreneurs entrepreneurship my entire life. And so it was the most natural thing in the world to want to kind of work in the family business. But my mom owned an insurance agency and that wasn't really fun. And I have so many allergies that working on the farm is not really my cup of tea. Um, But I still love that. I loved that spirit. I love the spirit of going out and starting something and, you know, uh, planting your flag somewhere. And so I loved people that did that. And I loved talking with people that were self-made. And so all through my life, I just kind of had this background of like, I've got to do something for myself. Um, I ran a bunch of businesses myself before I ever got into coaching other businesses. I ran production studios, notary businesses, uh, design studios, um, even like media buying agencies that I I had set up kind of on my own in the early days of Facebook. Um, And throughout all of that time, I learned a tremendous amount myself about what was kind of missing from my entrepreneurial journey, someone who had known from an early age what I wanted to do. And I didn't want to work for other people. I wanted to work for myself and, you know, create something with my own hands. Uh, And so kind of what ended up happening is I ended up falling in the world of consulting for a while and I helped a bunch of businesses and I got really good at teaching people. And it was never something I really set out to do, but it just became like people would call me and be like, hey, can you train me on this? I watched a bunch of tutorials and I I still don't get it. Can you kind of walk me through it? And so that became a real core kind of component of my consulting arrangements. And in 2020, I decided to kind of formalize that practice under the name uh, Grow House. And so mm-hmm. for the past two years, we've been providing coaching and consulting to those same small and medium-sized businesses that I've I've been so passionate about. And uh, we've had some really great success stories come through. Awesome. Um, we've had, awesome. you know, uh, uh, people who are nonprofits in the basement of churches uh, that now a year later, they're meeting with, you know, CEOs of major Fortune 500 companies and seeking corporate donations. We've mm-hmm. had school teachers that were, you know, had tried launching products for years 
uh, in their niche, uh, one campaign, you know, under their belt with us and they're making $10,000 a day. So it's really like, we really have a good system. Um, and it's really foundational. It's, it's the, it's all of, like I said, all of those things I missed in my journey, I built a program that nurtures all of those skills. Yeah, awesome. So, so starting a business nowadays, I, I know it's kind of easy. Like you can go now, a lot of people go on social media, start posting these kind of things and we call it a business. But at the same time, it's like we were talking earlier before we start recording and going live, like how how is it hard to actually really make the money and being genuine to people and adding value and growing the business because you don't want to keep making for example a thousand dollars a month and that's it you want to grow so is it really hard to grow a business nowadays though the level to entry the entry level is minimized because we we are not comparing to a brick and mortar businesses you don't have to have a space basically I mean, starting a business today is just about the easiest thing you can do. Um, and I know that sounds kind of flippant, especially coming from someone who started several businesses. And if you've never started a business, it can seem like the scariest, biggest, most like ugly decision you ever have to make to walk away from a cushy corporate job and do something on your own. And I don't want to downsize that. Like if you have a nice job where they pay for your insurance and you collect six figures, that's hard to walk away from. Uh and but you have to make the choice. Are you happy working for somebody else, or would you are would you be happier being your own boss and setting your own schedule and working for the clients you want to work with, not the ones that are assigned to you from on high? Uh, and so that that's the it's not the the technical challenge. All the barriers to entry have never been easier. It's the emotional and motivational challenge that's inside every entrepreneur that we have to overcome because all the tools are out there. I mean, you can launch a business in 24 hours. It's been done. I mean, they do challenges all the time at colleges about, you know, who can make the most money with a new business in a week. So it's not a matter of uh, the, the barriers to entry or the market being too saturated. You just have to have a good foundation on how businesses run, what the skills are you need to run a successful business. And you need to have the motivation and the guts to say, yeah, I'm I'm going to dedicate some of my time, energy, and money into this endeavor and see where it takes me. And if it fails, that's okay because I know on the path to success, I have to fail a hundred times. Uh, and every entrepreneur, I'm sure you've had some failures. <laughs> I've had plenty of failures. You don't get to be successful unless you fail. How do you make sure or do you minimize that this business will be a success. What are, for example, let's say the steps or the principles for a successful business? So there's really four things that I look at with my clients in terms of, you know, when, when we first bring a client in and we start looking at where they are, um, it really starts with the story of the business. And I know story branding was a really big kitschy, like, term in marketing and some people bought into it, other people didn't. But when I'm talking about story, it's so much broader than just a bio section on your website or the way you talk to customers because the story is the visual elements. It's the it's how you go about phrasing your offer. It's the words you use. It's how you craft social media content. For example, at Grow House, I, I have a very... Um, kind of satirical style with a lot of this stuff I post. The thing I told my writers when we first started our blog was we are not going to be another boring marketing blog. So like, if you go to our page, we have a bunch of kind of off the wall marketing content. It's not the normal run of the mill, like marketing blog stuff, because I wanted to stand out. That's a small piece. That's 1% of maybe my business. 
but it was an important decision to make in how I was going to approach the subject matter and the value I was going to put into those, those pieces of content. Because if you read all those pieces of content, they're not just jokey, full of fluff. They're, they're real content. It's just the tone we took, the voice we took was just different than everybody else. Hmm. So everything starts with the story of your business. And where did you come from? How are you approaching the situation differently? How are, how uh, do we expect people to refer their friends to you if your story is just as boring as the next guy down the street? So a lot of people have kind of a hard time wrapping their head around that because it seems very fluffy, but that's really where it starts. If you don't have a good story, if I can't tell somebody about your business in a way that inspires them to at least check out your website, what hope do you have in competing in a super competitive and easily accessed market like we do today? Yeah, exactly. Because like you mentioned, I do have this myself. When I, for example, you have a written blog post, you look at, you do a Google search and a lot of results appear. So how can you start thinking, how can I make something that a little bit different, something might be special, even if the people read it fewer, but maybe it's something different than the most other people do. Because a lot of things that you see, it's the same, almost the same kind of, let's say, tips, like the same things. It's like there is nothing sometimes new. So you have to look for this kind of place or this kind of tip that nobody probably talked about. And it's better actually to to look for this kind of content that is unique and not repetitive, right? So uh, two things. Uh, the first thing is there's three parts of your business that you should never try to do alone. It's your accounting, it's your legal, and it's your marketing, <laughs> right? For the same three, for the same reasons, right? You want a third party to be able to analyze your business without having the emotional connections that and and presuppositions that you have as the owner. Marketing is very, very difficult when you're standing too close to it. You know, I call it like the Syrah effect. So Syrah, George Syrah, the famous pointillist, right? If you go and see he's massive canvases, right? You go up to one of his and you stick with your nose like that. It's just a bunch of dots. It doesn't look like anything. It's literally thousands of dots. So I'm too close. I can't see what the picture is. But if someone's standing behind me 30 feet, they can totally describe to me, oh yeah, it's a bunch of people in the park and they're having a picnic. That's the business owner versus the outsider, right? The accountant, the lawyer, the marketer. That's why you really need someone in marketing. It doesn't mean you need an agency. You just need someone there that has a marketing mind that can stand 30 feet back from you and say, this is what makes you different. This is what makes you special. I can see the whole picture. I've talked to you. I've communicated with you. I've, I've uncovered some value in you in terms of what you're bringing to the table differently. Here's what it is. And here's how we need to talk about it. So that's the first thing is getting help uh, is a huge factor. The second part, when you are in a market, say say you bring in the person and they come up with the same same kind of uh, analysis. That's like, yeah, it's just a really crowded market. You're not doing anything too different. The next place we go, and it's the second principle in our system, is enhancing the customer experience. Mm -hmm. People often forget that the business they're running is not purely transactional, right? It's interpersonal. It's relational. And so when people, when business owners get into the mindset of the people coming through their pipeline are just numbers, you start to see the experience of working with them slip. And that's that's the most dangerous thing because that is what drives increased uh, 
that's what uh, you know drives your attention numbers lower. It's what creates situations where you start getting negative reviews because you stop looking at the individual and you start looking at the mass. And that's a really risky gambit. Um, and it's not one worth making because at the end of the day, it's so easy to compete on customer experience because everyone ignores it. So few people actually care about their customers in a way that's meaningful. Uh, you know, and, and and if to prove this, right, go into any Walmart and tell me if the floors are sticky. Every Walmart I've ever been to have sticky floors. Why does it have sticky floors? Because they really don't care enough about clean floors because their customer probably is still going to show up whether their floors are clean or not, right? Now go into a Target, right? Same type, same big box store. Have you ever been in a Target with sticky floors? I've never been in one, right? Those stores are spotless, right? They exude a higher value because they're pitching to a high, uh, a upper market consumer. So as Walmart is looking for low, middle, low, low income folks to shop there that aren't going to have the same standards, Target wants the upper, the middle and upper middle to come there. So their standards are going to be elevated. So they care more about the customer experience. So how do you do this in your business? You're running a podcast right now. You know what? This, this I, I will share a strategy that I actually, cli- I developed this with clients. So you can steal this if you want. You don't have to. Yeah. Though. But <laughs> so here's what you do. I come on your show, right? Yeah. I'm having a great time. And then I leave your show, right? Well, when you send me the recording of this, I'm going to have my assistant, you know, cut it up and share it. But that's going to be months from now, right? I might forget about you. So how do you keep me engaged in the process of developing the show and promoting it? Well, what we did is with the client we have, it's a podcaster. We wrote an email sequence. It's a five-step sequence that happens over the course of the week of the podcast launch, where we provide nearly daily updates on what's being done to promote the show, right? Mm -hmm. And so now what we've done is we've taken something that was very transactional. I come on, talk to you for a little bit and leave. Now you're starting to build a relation with me. And if you're sending me all this stuff that you're doing to promote me, the reciprocative nature of our brain is gonna kick in. And I'm gonna go, oh, wow, uh, Hussein's doing all this stuff for me. I gotta go and do some of this. Like I gotta do some of this for them. Oh, I'm gonna have my, uh, this is great. I'm gonna have my uh, you know assistant post it later today. Right. So these kind of things, not a lot of podcasters do. I've been on probably six or seven podcasts in the last six weeks, and not one podcaster has done this. So when they reach out to me to promote, I might still promote, but hey, if I'm really busy, do you think they're going to be my number one priority versus if they're emailing me every day when that podcast comes out and telling telling me how the episode's doing, giving me some feedback that they got on the show? maybe sending me um, some clips that I can share that are already pre-selected and edited and like ready to go. Like how, how much more likely am I to turn on my kind of uh, marketing engines and want to promote that? And not only that, tell my friend, Hey, you got to check out this show. I was just on. He's amazing. Like go, like you got to get interviewed by this guy. He's great. Right. The customer experience is so critical and everybody ignores it. And so if you're in a competitive industry, it's the number one thing I go to, to be competitive. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you mentioned, it's not, it's not just about the price anymore, but it's, mm-hmm. it's important to, to look at the different areas of that. Like you mentioned, maybe some customers don't mind the slippery floors or the gummy floors or whatever, the dirty floors, but some people do. And 
they they are there best because maybe on their income but if they can afford something that's more expensive they would do that so so the customer experience and whatever level of your customer income is it's important and it's not just about the pricing and you have to know like you mentioned uh, what are your customer is really thinking about and try to cut their let's say their doubts or their fears before they even ask these kind of things, right? Every time you go out and recruit a new customer, you're building a relationship and relationships are built on knowing someone, liking someone and trusting them, right? Mm -hmm. So know you like, you trust you. That's what you have to get to get a sale. So if you're creating a customer experience that's overall negative, they're not going to like you. They're not going to trust you. They'll know about you, but they'll know about you for all the wrong reasons. They'll know about you because you have sticky floors, right? Like, you know, um, people only talk about two types of customer experiences. And I want I want you to really think about this because this is when I first heard this and it, and I, it blew my mind. There's two types of customer experiences people talk about. Really, really good experiences and really, really bad experiences. No one talks about three-star service because it's not noteworthy, right? We share our horror stories because they're horror stories and they're entertaining. We share our really good stories because they're good stories and they're interesting. So people aren't going out there. If you're a four-star business, people aren't going out there and telling their friends about a four-star business. They're talking about the five-star businesses and the one-star businesses. And that's it. Yeah. And yeah, so that's true. Yeah, true. You, Cause like when you even look at something like Amazon and you look at the ratings, for example, you look at the stars, you either look, for example, if you, me personally, I'm not going to read the five stars because it's already something that uh, they're telling that this company or this book or this product is amazing. So you, you you might look at the one star, which is some some person who does not like the service or the product at all. But these people who are who are in the middle, they these people are actually the people that might give a real feedback, right? Yeah, and yet. So first, for the business owner's perspective, yeah, the middle people are the ones that are giving you probably the best feedback because they're the ones that are actually like, it was okay, but here's some things they could fix. They were still satisfied. They just weren't like exuberant about their satisfaction or satisfaction. Um, So yeah, you can learn a lot from there um, because at the other end of the spectrum, when you do go to the people that are giving one-star reviews, a lot of them are angry about something in the customer service experience the product arrived broken. It didn't come with batteries and it said it came with batteries. So like a lot of that stuff can be addressed. A lot of that, you can look at your process and be like, we need to pack batteries with each one of these packages. Like it's ridiculous. We shouldn't be getting one star reviews because we're too cheap to throw in two 20 cent double A's. Right. So like you can fix a lot of stuff from the lower end of the market, but to your point, people have a tendency to read the high level reviews when they go to a product and they read the low level, they don't care about three-star reviews because it's like a three-star review is just someone who's just vanilla, right? We don't want that. We want to know what's the worst case scenario and what's the best case scenario and what's the ratio, right? <laughs> if you see an, if you see a product that has, you know, 300 one-star reviews and one five-star review, you're making some judgment calls there, you know? So that's, that's the other, uh, the element here is that people mm-hmm. are doing a lot of math in their heads when they're comparing your product to others. And so easy mm-hmm. things like improving the customer experience should be the number one thing you can do, especially if you can't afford 
to change your product significantly or you can't uh you, you can't change it for whatever reason yeah so like now we know that having connection or network is important having client is important but what if someone wanted to start a business like right now they have like basically nothing no money no connection and no nothing to do with that so how would you advise them like for example kicking things off and growing that So we actually have a program that we run. It's generally for um, high school graduates and college graduates. It's a four-month program. And what we actually do is teach you to start four different businesses. And I know that sounds like a lot, but these are businesses that are designed to be very, very quick to start up. Um, You could, and I I was doing the math, I was kind of scheduling it out how you could actually, you could start all four in a weekend if you really wanted to, because these are not complicated businesses. But they're teaching you, each business is designed to teach you a core element of how to run your dream business, how to start your dream business um, in a very structured, contained way that is so dead simple that whether you're uh, just getting out of high school and you have a high school level uh, of math or you've been working forever and you just always wanted to start a business and you never went to business school at all, no matter if you're dealing with life experience or no experience, Mm -hmm. uh, this system really does teach you the foundations better than any MBA will, better than any other kind of small business coaching course will. Because instead of just telling you like, here's what you need to do to file an LLC, here's what you need to do to, you know, all of that stuff. None of that stuff's really important in the grand scheme. You file an LLC once, right? And if you're if you're too nervous to do it, hire a lawyer to do it. They don't. It doesn't cost a fortune. Uh, you know, it's like 200, 300 bucks to file one. So like all of that stuff that people focus on when they're first starting a business is none of the important parts. That's all the stuff that's like, I don't ever think about my LLC like, ever. Tax time once a year, I think about my filing status. That's it. So the stuff that we teach in the program is, is essentially breaking down to four parts. It's learning how to be a copywriter learning how to uh, uh, manage public relations, uh, learning how to uh, develop and execute a paid marketing strategy. And uh, essentially, we call it production arbitrage. So it's selling something that you do not yourself create. So this is kind of, it's it's really brilliant for people who want to jump into e-commerce because literally the last business you're starting is your business. So, you know, naturally, most people are not manufacturing the thing they're selling, And so you have this three-month runway where you learn how to create remarkable customer experiences, how to tell better stories, how to write about it, and how to sell and market it. Mm -hmm. And then you're running that into month four where you actually start your e-com business. It wasn't designed for that, but um, that's certainly a a use case that we've had come through. Uh, But that's really the four elements. So so do you think like every business owner or entrepreneur, especially online and even offline, should be a good copywriter because you mentioned copywriting and marketing also. So these things basically always are together. So, <laughs> oh, if 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 you're a business owner and have not taken a course on copywriting or gotten some copywriting coaching uh, or done anything with copywriting, even practice, like you are doing yourself such a disservice because it is such an easy skill to master. It does not require a great amount of time. Uh, it just requires practice. It's like playing the easiest instrument in the world and you have all the talent you need. Like that's the great thing about copy. People tell me all the time, oh, I'm not a good writer. You don't have to be. Copy's formula. You just have to understand yeah. psychology. You have to understand a little bit of psychology yeah. and how to how to write like you talk and you can write good copy. Yeah, actually, Combine yeah. that with AI. 
You got no reason not to learn it. It's the easiest yeah. thing in the world and it's going to make the biggest difference in your business. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I actually read, uh, read two books about copywriting. The one one called Copywriting Secrets by Jim Edwards. And another one yep. called uh, How to Write the Best Copywriting, something like that, ever by Ray Edwards. I'm not sure about the name of the book of Ray Edwards, but but yeah. So the one you first mentioned, this, the Copywriting Secrets, is one of the four copywriting books that I only recommend four because it, it there's a, so many out there and there's only really four that make any sense to read. That's number one. That is one of the best copywriting books ever written. The other one I usually recommend is Joe Sugarman's uh, Copywriter's Handbook from Adweek. That's a unbelievable, it's like a textbook on copywriting. Um, the, uh, the two others that I really like and I've found really helpful. One is not actually a copywriting book. It's dot-com secrets. I think Russell Brunson, the way he explains hook story offer uh, is just really, it makes it really easy. It, it takes a very hard to form kind of mental formula and makes it very easy. And then the last one I like is uh, uh, Bob Bly's copywriters, copywriters encyclopedia, copywriters handbook. It's, it's a, huge tome of a book mm. but those are the books that i really always recommend people read because um breakthrough advertising is kind of the bonus but it's very hard to find that one so most people won't read it but uh if you read those four books and you spend an hour a day writing copy for your business within four weeks you'll probably be one of the you'll be, be you'll be writing better copy than any of the agencies you'd be able to afford as a small business yeah yeah and like you mentioned ai is now coming in huge a lot of businesses or websites coming in for ai and writing so so it's getting i believe it's easier and easier so it does not really have to be that hard to learn yeah exactly so what's your look on content marketing and ceo for businesses in that perspective because maybe you you talked about these about these things in your book i think right so uh, the the content marketing, yeah, I have I have a uh, an ebook that I put put out pretty recently, and I have a very uh, dissonant view of content marketing. So let me give you a little bit of a backstory on on why I believe what I believe. I was the content marketing guy for a number of brands for many many years. I built entire teams of content creators for these companies. I restructured teams. I fixed production pipelines, a huge chunk, probably a decade of my career was spent building content farms uh, for clients. You know, essentially we need content marketing. We need to push out new content, new articles, webinars, blogs, videos, so on and so forth. For years, I did this. And at the end of the day, when I really stood back and saw how effective these strategies were, I noticed something that was really shocking. These strategies are being sold as these silver bullets that, hey, uh, you know, you're struggling with marketing, just put out more content. You just got to be on TikTok more. You just got to put out another webinar. You just, and that's not true. It's a lie. Content marketing is a long-term strategy. It's not something, and you know this from being a podcaster, it's not something that you just flip the lights on and clients come in. You have to build and work at it. And so, so many times, People that own businesses are are lured in with this idea of like, oh, well, it's free. All I need is my cell phone. I'm just going to produce content. And then they do it and they burn themselves out and they're producing all this content and nothing's happening. And they're like, what gives? Everyone says this is supposed to work and it doesn't work. And the reason it doesn't work is twofold. One, because a lot of people think content marketing 
is a way to get around paid media. It's not, it goes hand in hand with paid media. Mm -hmm. And two, the SEO value that you're going to get from any content you put on your site is so negligible in today's SEO environment that it's a last stage marketing. It's when you're trying to shave off a you know, a 10th of a percent off your conversion rate or boost it a 10th of a percent. That's when you worry about SEO. You need to make your first sale before. Like, I can't tell you the number of businesses I meet and I go, how much have you sold so far? And they say nothing. And I say, well, what's your biggest challenge? They say SEO. It's insane. (laughs) SEO is not your problem. Yeah, yeah. SEO isn't going to be a problem for 10 years. The real problem is that your offer, if if you've already started spending money and it's not working, your offer's bad. That's just the, it like, hate to be the bear of Brad news, but whatever you're yeah. offering, however you're selling doesn't work. I'm, I'm with you, especially on SEO, because like I, I, I created or I registered the domain like successsegret.net five years ago now. So when I started, like as everyone else, when you think about your website, you think about how to get free traffic from Google or whatever search engine like Yahoo or Bing. So I started reaching out when you want to get an order for a website, like, you know, the more traffic, you need to get backlinks to great content. Basically, you want to have good content at least. And you need to get backlinks, right, for SEO to boost your website authority. So at first, I started emailing people that here is my article, replace it or whatever it is. And I'm sure you know that you get like one reply from 100. So I did it for months. And maybe I sent maybe, I don't know how many emails I did. So, But I barely got 1% reply from these emails. And most of them, and the 50%, I believe that they wanted to link back. They wanted me to link back to their website. So it's like, a, a, yeah. yeah, give and take. And that's fine. That's okay. But what I realized is you don't really have to worry about SEO, as you mentioned earlier. As And for example, for me, when I started the podcast, uh, like almost a year and a half back with guests and start publishing these kind of things, the website started to go to grow its own authority by itself. People, when they see something that they like to link at, they will do that, right? So it's not like <laughs> SEO is going to be gone tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. No, it, it's just, it's a long-term strategy. And for, for the majority of small businesses out there, it's not something you should worry about until you already have a successful business. It's not going to make a huge difference at the end of the day in how much money you're making today. Mm-hmm. It tomorrow, you know, 10 years from now, yeah, it, it probably will. As you accumulate content and you build some domain authority, then yeah, you might get in a couple extra people through your funnel that otherwise wouldn't have found you. But it just is so the concept that all of these, you know, marketing tactics that pop up are going to be the secret bullet. They're the that this is the thing, this is the new, you got to do this. Um, yeah, None of it is the secret. A lot, a lot it's, of found, people, it's the foundations. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people keep saying about TikTok being here and it's the big thing. But like maybe five years from now, something new will come up. So, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's always it's, these kind of things evolving fast now. And that's that's why we don't focus. We're, we're not a performance marketing agency. We're not a content marketing agency. We're not social media we're foundational. Like the coaching and consulting we do is setting you up for success for whatever changes happen in the future, right? Because a good message will sell no matter the medium. Mm-hmm. You know, you may have to tweak it, right? If if the limit on the next ad platform is only 15 seconds, well, you need to figure out how to fit it in 15 seconds. But at the end of the day, if you have an offer that works, until that offer is exhausted, until you have reached 
all of the people in the world that could potentially buy that offer, that offer will still work. You may need to refresh it over time, but it will still work. And so I think that's the big thing that people have to realize is that your problem, you're you're chasing this mar- this idea of what marketing should be, and you're ignoring what actually works because it's not sexy. It's not like no one likes the fundamentals. No one likes push-ups and chin-ups, right? But that's the stuff that actually makes you stronger. It's not the $15,000 weight gym equipment that does it, yeah. you know? The, the um, basic, always the basic fundamentals. This is what always works. Yeah. If you don't do the basics right, everything else would be useless. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why you don't see a lot of professional athletes that spent all of their time in the weight room. Like, <laughs> No, they have to go out and practice. They actually have to practice the fundamentals. They have to, you know, they, they can't just run plays and catch balls. They have to, you know, run the 40 and they need to stay in shape and they need to, you know, practice uh, uh, quick draws and all that. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just one of those things you need. Um, you need the fundamentals. They're, they're really yeah. critical, but they're not they're not flashy. And so that's the biggest hurdle I have to overcome as a business owner yeah, is kind of talking to business saying, listen. I know none of this stuff I'm going to tell you is going to like be like, holy cow, like this is the craziest new strategy I've ever heard. That's no, because all the stuff I teach is the stuff that's been working for 50 years and it hasn't stopped. Right. It's the same. It's the same reason why businesses uh, boom and fail uh, that anywhere across the country. Um if you look at the fundamentals, it's always a breakdown in one of the four areas we address with people. Yeah. So do you think that there is something I missed asking you about that you would like to address, for example? Uh, yeah. So the one part uh, I, I didn't talk about was the technology part. I think business owners really get bogged down in, they just buy a lot of stuff. They buy a lot of tools that think they're going to make their life easier and instead it makes it more complicated so that's another factor that we really look at is trying to simplify the tech stack as much as possible eliminate stuff that is not helping you grow your business and making it so that you have a clear kind of a clear marketing stack to use uh and not just spend money on because i can't tell you the number of people that have come back to me and been like i just realized i've been paying for mailchimp for four years and i never used it (laughs) yeah and they probably have no subscribers there so (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so yeah, personal so question. Yeah, personal question for you. What, what do you would you say something that you are not good at? Oh, good question. Um, well, one thing I'm not good at marketing my own business. Like I know that sounds kind of funny, but it's, it goes back to what I said at the top of the the top of the hour. The reason why I can't do it as well as some of the agencies I hire to do it is because I'm standing like this. I'm too close to it. I'm too emotionally involved in my client's success. I'm too present in all of their stories to be able to stand back and look from an outsider's perspective and say, you know, this this is what you do. This is what you're good at. And so I pay people to help me with that messaging because I, I practice what I preach. I tell my clients, you need someone else to look at your marketing. It wouldn't I, w- I wouldn't be practicing before I preached if I did all my marketing myself. Now, that doesn't mean, do I do some of my own copywriting? Of course. Of course, every business owner needs to do that. Do I run some of my own ads? Yes, of course. But that doesn't mean I don't need help. So I think that's probably the number one thing. The, uh, you know, if you ask my wife, she probably would say laundry. 
<laughs> so everyone, everyone in business, when you are growing, you need help. You cannot do it alone, especially if you are scaling fast. So, so that that does make sense. You you can't do everything everything by yourself. Social media, content marketing, yeah. dealing with sales, dealing with accounting, dealing sometimes with legal, like you mentioned. So it's 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 uh, it's a lot of things to do. So you no know, one person. It's not it's a no one man show definitely. So yeah. Drew, where can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you and what you do? Sure. So uh, I'm available on all the normal social networks. You can visit me online, growhouse.org. It's G-R-O-H-A-U-S.org. And uh, you can sign up for a free coaching session there. We um, we do them when we have time. So if you uh, if you have a business, whether it's established or you just have an idea, uh, we have coaching platforms programs that run from $99 a month all the way to $1,000 a month, depending on where you are in the journey and how much help you need from us. Um, but we'd love to have you. I mean, we, like I said, I work with everyone from high school students to recent college grads to people that are on the edge or already retired. And they're looking for, you know, now's the time they have the, the, the opportunity to really build a legacy for themselves. So no matter where you are in your journey, I'd love to help you. I'd love to share some insights with you. So uh, yes. Soka called me. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Drew, for being today with me on this call. Uh, amazing information and tips that you give us uh, and boost and the growth of businesses. Awesome. Thank you. Not a problem. Not a problem. It was a pleasure being here, uh, Hussein, and uh, look forward to uh, connecting with you later. Thank you for listening to this episode of Success Grid. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And if you found value in the show, rate and leave a review on iTunes. For more resources, visit successgrid.net. Until next time.